Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. This is Dan Avone as we talk sports, business, and economics. Dan Avone out here in the West Coast in San Francisco, California, joined, like always, with my broadcast partner, the NFL agent, Matt Marino. Matt, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Dan. How you doing, man? Uh, just getting ready for the draft next week and uh, some interesting topics that came up uh, during the course of this week, too. We'll touch on that in just a bit and get into the NFL draft and a couple of guys that went through the draft years ago that are looking to somehow get back into the NFL. But let's start with this past week when we talk about sports and business news. The G League was front and center. The G League, which, of course, is sort of the – which is equivalent to the minor league system for that of the National Basketball Association. And Jalen Green, who is touted as the number one top prospect coming out of high school this year – out of Fresno, California. Actually, he played in Fresno for three years, and then I think he transferred his senior year to Napa, California. Regardless, he is the top prospect. He is not going to college basketball. He's not going to be one and done, despite just about everybody giving him an offer. He has decided to go to the G League, where he's going to make $500,000. And then, of course, after that, when he's in this developmental league, he can opt and, of course, be drafted to the NBA. Is this a game changer? Has Jalen Green sort of changed the way top high school prospects now, instead of going to college basketball or going to the NCAA for a year, will now go to the G League? Is this the beginning of something new, do you think, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's two sides to it. Um, so there, there's it's definitely beginning of something new. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest thing is that you have to remember this, you know, this initiative has been around for a couple of years now, um, you know, the, the pathway program. Um, but the new part is that, you know, up until this point, players were only able to earn $125,000. Um, so, you know, Jalen Green getting $500,000, um, possibly more than that, um, is, is a big, big jump. And you look at guys like LaMelo Ball, um, RJ Hampton, who went to, you know, chose to go play in Australia. Um, the NBA kind of saw this as, hey, look, you know what? We're losing guys out of our country. Um, our scouts have to go to Australia, watch them play, um, not see them in person. Um, you know, let's keep them here. So, you know, this initiative by Adam Silver um, and certainly um, the people that he put in charge, um, an ex-NBA player, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, um, is, is a big, you know, step in that direction. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, th I think the other thing you have to look at, too, is that um, it's very structured. It's, you know, it's not just the G League where you're going to be living in, you know, a strange places, rural areas, you know, kind of like minor league baseball, you know, you're going to be in Los Angeles, you're going to have, you know, a structure of a player development, um, education, uh, medical components, nutrition, everything that um, comes with being a professional athlete, being a professional basketball player. Um, and, and when you're getting paid $500,000, um, that's significant money, um, certainly to go towards that as well, too. Um, and, and possibly, you know, on top of that with some with some endorsements, um, you know, certainly someone in in Jalen Green's position, you know, he'll have that opportunity to to grab some endorsements, you know, earlier on in his career, um, you know, than he would if he you know decided to go to college and have to basically, you know, play for free and, um, you know, not be able to yet at least be able to use his image and intellectual property to, uh, to earn money. So he is indeed eligible now to sign with a shoe deal. He has locked up an agent already. Aaron Goodwin yep. Yep. is his agent, Aaron Goodwin, and his brother Eric Goodwin, by the way, who at one time represented LeBron James, who was making that similar jump going from high school to the NBA back then. Of course, you didn't have to do the one-and-done rule. Dwight Howard as well was part of, of uh, 
Aaron and Aaron Goodwin's agency. The one and done rule, is that, do you think this is the beginning of the end? Is this, what we've seen here by Jalen Green opting to go play in the developmental league in the G League. By the way, let's just clarify really quick, as you, as you touched on, he is not going to be part of the G League in terms of playing for one of the teams. He is not going to be in Iowa on a bus traveling to these various cities and playing a full schedule. Nope. He's going to the G League, but he's part of the developmental part of his league. So as the top high school prospects, he is not going to be playing year-round. He's going to be playing exhibition games. He'll be playing overseas. And it's going to be much, much more measured than that of players who are in the G League who, of course, are looking to get to the NBA and are traveling all over the country and are making this much, much less money. It's very different for Jalen Green and top high school prospects who are going this route. But getting back to one and done, do you think that when this is revisited by that of the collective bargaining, the CBA and that of the uh, NBA, could this be the beginning of the end? Will we see, will we no longer see, I guess is what I'm trying to say, the one and done, something that has been so controversial in college basketball? Yeah, I think this is this is kind of the start to it, right? This is, they're going to do it incrementally. Um, and, and one of the biggest things of, of why um, there still is a one and done is, you know, the NCAA coaches, right? You have, you know, Krzyzewski, Kyle Parry, um, Bill Self, Roy Williams, um, a number of other coaches who always push back to the NBA against that. You know, they don't want to lose too many players, um, you know, to essentially make their programs irrelevant. Um and certainly the top ones as well. Um, what they've, you know, kind of done here, um, CBA comes up in, in 2023, um, you know, both sides can opt out. And, and that's when the, the one and done rule can be reevaluated. So players can, you know, can then again, make that jump, you know, directly to the NBA. But, um, you know, what they did here is, you know, this is a, you know, a stepping stone. Um, you know, the NBA, their, their professional pathway program, which is technically a G League initiative, not the G League, just as you mentioned, um, you know, they're going to be looking to grab some top prospects to, to you know, put this team together and then use some veteran players to, to fill in the, the, the extra spots um, because they want to give those, uh, those top prospects, um, you know, some, some proper veterans around them to, to help them mature and help them grow and turn into a professional. Um, so, you know, essentially, um, the, the, you know, those college programs are saying, look, all right, you know what, we're, we're on board, you know, this is a stepping stone, um, you know, we're going to, you know, not turn the other way, but we're just going to, you know, all right, we appreciate you, you know, kind of coming to us and, and not taking everyone, um, you know, not taking away the college game. Um, but certainly we understand that, you know what, these kids are better served going right to the NBA, um, even if it's the pathway program to start with, um, and then and possibly in 2023, um, you know, you know, doing away with the the one and done altogether, uh, which will you know most likely, um, you know, that'll that'll be happening once the uh, the new CBA does come up. Yeah, and this is clearly for those kids like that of Jalen Green, who are standouts, and it's just a matter of time when they go to the NBA, they want to go to the NBA, but they have to go this route. If they want to stay in the United States and play basketball, essentially they have to go play college basketball for a year and then go to the NBA simply because that's the way the rules are dictated. Other than that, as you mentioned, you have to go overseas and play basketball. So it's essentially for those, those few players that have that opportunity to go to the NBA right now, but have to be in this sort of area, this limbo, if you will, for a year before they're eligible to be drafted. And I think for, aside from the, that top tier player, 
what it gives a lot of college basketball players or kids coming out of high school going into the college game, it's just, it gives you an option, right? It gives you an opportunity now. Well, hey, listen, maybe I want to go to the, to the NBA, but I also want the college experience. I also, believe it or not, want an education. I want to go to a Final Four. I want to know what that entire experience is like to play in front of the crazies at Cameron or Kentucky, whatever school it is that you choose. But it's just giving, I think, the younger talented, and I do mean talented player, Another option, and also I think from the collegiate side of things for the NCAA, is now you're going to see maybe those players going to your school staying a lot longer. That if they're not one and done because they'll be in the G League, you're going to get guys who are going to be there potentially for the, for the four years. And I think that bodes better for the student body in terms of the relationship with the players and also in terms of that relationship between the coach and the player. So I think it's sort of a win-win all the way around. Yeah, and, and you see, you know, you know, you had, you know, like Coach Krzyzewski, you know, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, you know, a couple of years ago, probably a little bit longer than a couple of years ago, saying, look, you know, one and done's not for us. It's not, it's not how we do things. Jay Wright's always said that as well. Um, so, you know, you, you've seen some of these programs win national championships. You know, Jay Wright's won two of them. Krzyzewski's, you know, won a number of them, you know, been to a record number of Final Fours um, because, and they've, they've had to adapt. They've had to say, all right, we have to go after these one and done guys if we're going to, you know, have this, you know, ability to compete. Um, and you saw that, you know, uh, Villanova lost to Mario Spellman after a year. Um, DiVincenzo, you know, essentially, you know, he was there for, for more than a year. He was there two years, but really only played a year. Um, you know, he was a six man when he, when he left. Um, so, you know, you have those players that, um, you know, are certainly capable of making the jump. Um, you know, and that's what the, you know, the NBA, you know, and has worked out with the, with the NCAA coaches, um, you know, certainly not taking, you know, a group of players away. And just like you said, too, you want to get those players that are, um, you know, certainly, you know, great for the institution, um, you know, can really grow with each other as a team. Um, and, and, you know, in the, in the NCA in college basketball, um, there's always going to be some level of, of in and out, you know, guys leaving early, um, you know, to, to make that jump to the, to the NBA. And, and maybe like you said, you know, you might have the elite guys, you know, going, you know, right off the bat. And then, you know, a couple of guys that have, that grow and mature as the, uh, as their college experience takes them through, you know, you end up leaving after year three um, rather than just, you know, year one or year two. We said the contract is for $500,000, but that certainly can, can grow exponentially yeah. when you think yeah. about the endorsements. In fact, that kid locks up a shoe deal uh, next year. Yeah. And certainly with other endorsements, it'll, it'll be well over. 500k yeah and i'm told he's 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 got a guy yeah he's 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 a guy that you know can certainly command some money on social media through his social media he's got a big following um you know a lot of these high school kids um you know are are well um you know well positioned once they get out of high school to, to really command some dollars um you know through social media and that's an interesting point because the social media and the following that you have now for these young kids and these kids coming out of high school and, and listen Let's face it, these followings begin at the AAU level and yeah. throughout high school. And by the time they're a senior, I mean, they've got millions of people, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or what have you. And they're, they're now a brand. But they yeah, can't necessarily cash yep. in on that brand if they go to college basketball. So I think that as a brand and as a young man that has this huge following and also this product and skill set of basketball, that wanting to cash in on it, I think at an early age just makes logistical sense to me. It does. No, it absolutely does. Let's go to the NFL. The draft, as we talked about, and of course, Matt Marino, and NFL agent, this is, if he was, if he was an accountant, this would be like April 15th. You're getting ready for, of course, D-Day, which is coming up 
and it about uh, let's see, a little less than a week. a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's the twenty third, the twenty fourth, and the twenty fifth of April when it all goes down. I want to talk about two players, and we can use the NFL draft as sort of an example. Alden Smith, who was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, a standout player, defensive end out of the University of Missouri, came out in 2011, drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, number seven overall. In fact, he went in front of J.J. Watt, and he was on an, he was on an arc early on in his career. Yeah, rookie, rookie of the year, right? Yeah. Rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I think he had 19 and a half sacks, I believe. He was – I mean, look, it's, it's premature, but he was on an arch to, be, to, to potentially be a Hall of Famer. And then, of course, I, one of the things that you can't do, and you know this better than anybody, Matt, you can vet out a player to a certain degree and you can give him as many one-to-link tests that you want, but you can't really foresee the sort of problems that this kid had off the field. And we don't have enough time to run down the litany of difficulties that this, this guy had. But Alden Smith was in the news of late because – he and the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCartney, apparently work out in the same gym. A friendship developed, and McCartney has signed him to a two-year deal with $4 million, two years or $2 million guaranteed with two more in incentives. Let's talk about Alden Smith and what do you think his chances are of actually getting back to the NFL and playing for the Dallas Cowboys? You know, so, yeah, like you just mentioned it, you know, he has this team-friendly contract, which is, you know, for the team, it's great because you're basically, you know, a guy that hasn't played in five years, you're basically just trying to hit the lottery. Um, and he's got an activate, activation game bonus, you know, $40,000 a game. Um, he actually got a $90,000 reinstatement bonus. Um, he got a 30-day, uh, $50,000, uh, 30-day after his reinstatement, he gets another bonus. Um Training camp is $100,000 um, and a week one bonus, which is another $100,000. And he's got incentives for his sacks. So eight sacks is 500 k 10 sacks is a million, uh, 12 sacks is 1.5 million, and 14 sacks is 2 million. Um, so we can look, the opportunity's there. And he actually has, like like you just said, he's actually eclipsed those, those sack numbers, you know, in his career before in a, in a single season. Not saying he's going to be able to do that, you know, coming in cold. Um you know, but it's for the Cowboys, it, you know, it's, it's just trying to hit the lottery. It's trying to hit a home run, um, you know, bottom and ninth, two outs. And, and that's what you're trying to do. You know, seeing what this guy is still capable of. He, he obviously was a, a very talented football player. And I was just talking to, you know, a team earlier on and, you know, team says, look, you know what, if you're a first round pick, you're going to keep getting those chances. You know, you have a certain grade on you. Um, you know, you have a certain level of talent. You're going to keep getting those chances. If you're a sixth, seventh round pick undrafted, you know, you probably won't get these, you know, these additional opportunities. Um, and he's had, you know, he's had a, a litany of legal issues um, from, you know, DUIs to handguns to, you know, people being shot in his, in his, in his house, um, you know, stab wounds, um, additional DUIs, hit and runs again. Um, you know, he, he literally, you know, he has a laundry list. And, you know, one of the things that um, was kind of brought up in this process is, you know, you know, why Dallas, um, you know, uh, Alden Smith has had some, has had some issues with firearms in the past. Um, you know, Texas does have a concealed carry, um, you know, uh, is a, is a concealed carry state, um, you know, is that the best situation to put them in? Um, you know, Dallas does have, you know, the, the celebrity, it's the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you have Dak, you have Zeke, um, you know, putting him, you know, Amari Cooper is, is a kind of a calm guy, but he's a well-known guy. Um, putting him in in that you know uh, 
list of, of Cowboys legends, you know, is that a good place to be? Um, they did this a couple of years ago with Rolando McClain, a linebacker who had, you know, similar, um, you know, issues off the field. But, um, but for the Cowboys, it's, you know, if this guy's, you know, has it straight, um, it certainly is a, you know, could be a really good thing for them for, for a team that's kind of in a transitional phase right now on their offensive and defensive lines. Um, you know, he can be a really, in, he can be an impact player, um, you know, when he was, uh, you know, when he was, when he was there, he was certainly an impact player. Um, you know, he did struggle with the issues um, just, you know, like a lot of people do, but, you know, he's the one that's going to get the opportunity to, uh, to come back and kind of change the score a little bit because he does have that first round grade and, and an immense amount of talent. You talked about McClain getting another opportunity with the Dallas Cowboys, the former also, top yeah, Also first-round pick, yeah. First-round pick out of Alabama, the linebacker, went to the Raiders. Greg Hardy's another one. So Dallas has this reputation, at least Jerry Jones, of being sort of the modern-day Al Davis, of giving these renegades an opportunity. Alden Smith has signed the contract, but he's far from being guaranteed a roster spot. Talk about Fair some far, of yeah. the he has to jump through before he's actually on that roster. Yeah, so I mean, you know, one of the big things for him, you know, in a normal year. By the way, let's just also, also mention that really quick. He hasn't played in five years. He's five been out years. Of 2015. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, so he, he's out five years. Um, you know, so in a normal year, you know, he'd be going to organize team activities, you know, an off-season program, and he doesn't have any of that this year. Um, so you know, just like everyone else, you know, he'll be working in that gym, you know, with Jay Glazer and Mike McCartney, um, you know, trying to trying to get ready. Um, you know, that's, that's the way he, he has to go about it. Um, so he, like you said, is not a sure thing to make this roster. Um, you know, he, he's got some, uh, you know, some incentives that we talked about, um, you know, that he can achieve. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, right now he's just getting reinstatement bonus of 90,000 and then a 30 day bonus again, after reinstatement for another 50. Um, and that talks about how about, where's the commissioner's role in all of this? We've known and we've seen, through the recent CBA that was just signed and ratified a couple of weeks ago by you guys and the Players Association of the yeah. NFL, that there is a much lean, much more lenient stance when it comes to marijuana abuse or marijuana usage. Now, I don't know whether that lessens sort of the, the outlook by that of Roger Goodell and letting players like that of Alden Smith and Antonio Brown, who we'll get to in just a bit, come back into the league and get reinstated. But talk about the Roger Goodell component, because all things pretty much begin and end with him when you talk about Alden Smith and coming back to the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, he, look, I mean, that's that's the one thing. You know, he's not even reinstated yet by the commissioner. Um, you know, the the decision, um, you know, will most like – I mean, I, you know, the draft's a week away, so, all right, maybe, you know, maybe he can get it done before the draft, um, but most likely it's going to be after the draft. So, the Cowboys could address needs, you know, in the draft um, and say, oh, man, we came out of this looking fantastic. You know, now we're just going to, you know, we have a, a plethora of, um, of pass rushers. Um, but uh, but certainly, you know, because, um, you know, he's suspended under the old CBA, um, he has to be, you know, he has to be reinstated before he can participate in, in any activities with the Cowboys. Um, so, you know, that means it'll be, uh, you know, a Roger Goodell meeting at some point, um, you know, if there has not been already. Um, and, and he will have to be able to, you know, go through that process, um, apply for reinstatement, um, you know, get granted reinstatement. And then, you know, he can certainly, um, you know, take, 
whatever steps that he has to take then to, to rejoin the Cowboys. And, you know, once this, um, the virus comes down and he can get into it, but, but certainly, um, you know, at that point, he won't even, you know, be guaranteed a roster spot. Even if he does get reinstated, he's still going to make that roster. Um, you know, and for a guy that hasn't played in five years, um, it, it's, it's definitely a difficult process. Antonio Brown, like Alden Smith, trying to make a circuitous route back to the NFL. And Antonio Brown, we'll keep this within the NFL draft mode here. Antonio Brown drafted in 2010. And unlike that of Alden Smith, as I mentioned, Smith was a top – he was a number seven player chosen overall. He was one of the top players coming out of the University of Missouri, coming off the edge. Antonio Brown drafted in the sixth round out of a smaller school in central Michigan. but. After that rookie deal, he certainly got paid, and deservedly so. And when healthy, and I, I mean both physically and mentally, and that's a big if, yeah. this guy pound for pound still considered the best, if not one of the top wide receivers in the game today. But we have seen, and it's been documented on HBO's Hard Knocks, is where, well, actually, I think it started with Pittsburgh and then carried over with Hard Knocks. And, I mean, every other month he's on that police blotter. What about Antonio Brown, what is he looking at in terms of getting back into the NFL? You know, so he's in a different situation a little bit. He's in more of a, um, you know, a predicament of, of more like what Ray Rice, you know, faced um, because um, he wasn't removed for, for five years um, like uh, like Alan Smith. Um, so, you know, he's coming back, you know, after, you know, spending, you know, some time with the Raiders and, and one week with the Patriots last year. You know, he's got – um, you know, a couple incidents with, uh, with women, uh, one's a domestic violence, um, one is an alleged uh, sexual assault. Um, those have to be, you know, those are civil on the civil side. So they're not even, you know, criminal cases. Um, and then on the criminal side, he's got some, he's got a couple of domestic incidents uh, where police were called to his place in Florida. Um, and, you know, because of that, you know, he's going to have to go through the same process. Um, that part is very similar to an Alden Smith where he will be have to, he, he will be um, reinstated under the old CBA because, you know, he was suspended under the old CBA. Um, and, you know, he will have to, one, have to have these, uh, these little legal issues cleared first. Um, you know, certainly the NFL, because of what happened with Ray Rice and, and some other players uh, with domestic violence and sexual assault, um, you know, he'll have to, you know, certainly work those issues out, you know, with Roger Gale, with the management council, um, with the NFL, you know, the, their headquarters. Um, and then once those steps are taken, um, you know, then go back and say, all right, you know what, then there's a criminal case now. I think it was in, in January when it popped up um, uh, where he was, uh, where the police were called to his home and, you know, will have to be uh, worked out. And, and that's kind of, you know, at a standstill because of what's going on, you know, in the country, you know, Court is not in session. Um, you know, that's going to be at a more of a standstill now, too, because, you know, you don't know when, you know, when that stuff can take place. Um, I think he was also charged with um, with burglary, um, you know, with a, uh, a something from a hotel, maybe, or um, with a with a moving uh, uh, delivery driver. Um, you know, so those are all issues that the, that the criminal side will have to be uh, be addressed once the courts open back up. And then, um, you know, kind of what Alden Smith is doing now, um, he'll have to then take that to the NFL player, NFL, uh, Roger Goodell and, and the rest of the league office um, and, you know, start the process of reinstatement um, just as, you know, Alden Smith is doing now. What sort of clauses will an NFL team implement to protect themselves 
against players like Alden Smith and Antonio Brown? Um, so, you know, a number actually, um, you know, haven't really, you know, seen this yet, but, um, certainly, um, I, I think one thing that'll be discussed is, uh, in some capacity, limiting the social media, limiting their image rights. Um, you know, that will have to be talked about. Um, you know, certainly these are, you know, these are figures that are, they're very public figures, high profile people, um, in whatever community they're in, whether they're in Dallas, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, whatever it might be. Um, they're going to have people, you know, checking them out. Um, but I think, you know, the other thing is, is these are going to be team friendly contracts. This is where teams can get now, creative. Can you back up a second? Yeah. Why would they want to limit their, their social activity, their social media? Well, I think in terms of just in what they're putting out there. Right. And, oh, you know, see. you've, you've seen That's this with, 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 yeah, you've seen this with players in the past where, you know, they're, they're just putting too much out there, too much of the, of the, uh, personal information, whether that's team, league, um, you know, your own personal information is, is becoming public knowledge. And I think teams want to limit that, you know, all these teams, you know, they want to keep as much information as, as close to the vest as possible. Um, so I think there could be some, you know, ways to, you know, maneuver, I guess, where, all right, well, you know what, if, if this player does, you know, certainly post a, you know, a photo or post a video of, you know, them, them doing something, you know what, we do have a recourse and we can, you know, get some money back or, you know, we can certainly um, find that player or, you know, suspend that player for whatever it might be. Um, but certainly I think from a contractual standpoint, you know, they're going to be looking at, Hey, look, these are team friendly deals. So, you know, those, those deal, those numbers that I read off before on Alden Smith, you know, on the sacks, you know, that's what, you know, someone in a similar situation, that's a different position, you know, is going to do it. You, know, you can translate those sacks in the, into a touchdowns or, um, receptions or games played, um, percentage snaps, whatever it might be. Um, but certainly those are really team friendly deals. That's when teams can say, all right, you know what, you know what, we're, we're in a good spot here. If we can get this guy you know, to be straight and just focus on our program. Um, and that's where you're going to see, you know, a per game active bonus, um, a reinstatement bonus, you know, making it through preseason, you know, getting a bonus for that, you know, making it to week one, getting a bonus for that. And then, you know, the, the on-field incentives, you know, whether it be touchdowns uh, caught, you know, to, if it's a quarterback, um, you know, touchdowns uh, thrown. Um, and then certainly if it's a, you know, a defensive back or defensive player, you know, it could be sacks, you know, interceptions or anything of that, of that sort. So take me through really quick your Saturday, next Saturday night. Are you just going to be working the phones? Are you going to be working with players? or Are you up all night or does it begin on Thursday? And I'm talking, of course, about the NFL draft. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's different in, in other years, you know, Saturday night is usually the, you know, 40% of NFL teams, their rosters are made up of free agents. Um, so Saturday after the draft and even the sixth and seventh round, you know, you're starting to field calls from teams. Um, you know, you're starting to have, uh, you know, teams call in and saying, Hey, you know, look, if this guy makes it through, you know, he doesn't get drafted. We want to sign him. This is the number we want. We're thinking about maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's, you know, 15,000, you know, maybe it's 15,000 signing bonus. And then, you know, $25,000 paragraph five salary, which means, you know, if he, uh, if he doesn't play for somebody else the entire season, he gets another 25,000, uh, essentially betting against them, so to speak. Um, but, uh, but, you know, usually that stuff comes in, um, really in the sixth, seventh round and, and a lot of teams in recent years have been all finished up, you know, an hour or two after the draft, you know, it comes fast and furious and then it just, then it's done. Um, so, I think in this situation with everything going on, um, it could end up taking a, a very long time. 
you know, the other part is that there's no mini camp. There's no, you know, off season program. There's no rookie transition program. Um, so these players from a financial standpoint, they might not be getting paid um, because they can't pass a physical. Um, they fit, they physically, we, we've talked about this, you know, you can't take a physical, um, you're not going to get paid. And that's how it's always been. So um, in that sense, you could have rookies, you know, going around till June, July, whenever they can get back um, into a facility and take a physical, um, you know, without getting their signing bonus or, you know, anything, you know, of that sort uh, for a very long time. Can you give me the name of a free agent that maybe certainly isn't on the radar right now? Somebody that a guy like me hasn't heard of that could be an impact player. See this time next year. Yeah. I mean, so basically free agents, you're looking at, you're looking at two things. You're looking at developmental players at their position and guys that can be special teamers right off the bat. Um, you know, that's, that's really what you're looking at. So guys that can come in, return punts and kicks, be gunners on special teams, um, and then work into a, uh, a developmental, you know, work into their position, um, whatever that position is, you know, running back, wide receiver, uh, cornerback. That's why you see a lot of that stuff. Um, I think one player, um, you know, we had one, you know, two years ago um, that was actually an exceptional special teams player, ended up getting drafted by the, uh, by the Rams, Nick Scott, um, who's a, uh, who's a safety from Penn state. Um, I think one that you might see this year kind of be in a similar situation is uh, Isaiah Wright, who's a wide receiver from Temple, um, returner, kick returner, gunner, you know, in that same light, you know, maybe he'll be a seventh round pick. Maybe he'll be a, uh, you know, a, a free agent. And, um, you know, that's where you go with it. Um, you know, maybe he'll pop up in someone's fantasy, you know, league, uh, you know, in the late round next year because he'll, he'll likely be on a roster and, um, you know, um, you know, making an impact late in the season as an offensive weapon. Um, you know, you see, you saw that last year with a guy like Jacoby Myers from the Patriots, um, undrafted, um, you know, out of uh, NC State, um, but certainly, you know, made an impact, um, you know, for that roster as a wide receiver. And it's for wide receivers, it's tough. It's tough to learn the book, um, you know, early on. So, uh, you know, you have to give that player some time to, to adjust. And that's why, you know, you start them on special teams and then bring them along in their position. You talk about undrafted free agents. We've, we've discussed this on previous shows, how the running back position now is something that people put very little value in when you're talking about draft picks and quote unquote, wasting a draft, a high pick on a running back, because those are guys that you can get in later rounds or as free agents, undrafted free agents. When you look at the Super Bowl last year, the two starting running backs for the San Francisco 49ers, Mostert, or it's Mostert, right? Yeah, I believe so. Monster. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who the running back was for Kansas City. Both undrafted free agents. And so it just gives you sort of an idea of how impactful these players can be. I'm going to throw a name at you, and I don't think this guy will go undrafted, but this kid, Bowden, out of the University of Kentucky, you talk about a guy that can play special teams and play a multitude of positions. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, definitely familiar with him. Yeah, and just like you said, um, you know, he can play in multiple positions and, you know, most likely he is, you know, he's an unknown. He's an athlete, right? That's, you know, that's where he he comes in. Is he, you know, going to be used, you know, as a, um, you know, as a wide receiver, as a guy out of the backfield a little bit? You know, maybe he's a little bit of a, you know, a Julian Edelman. Maybe he's a little bit of, um, you know, the guy down at – uh. Saints, I'm drawing a blank on his name too. Taysom yeah. Hill. Yeah, Taysom. Yep, Taysom Hill. Um, you know where you know he's he. This guy's an athlete, right? That's you know he's going to obviously be a return specialist early on. Um, you know that's that's going to be you know very much uh, in his in his wheelhouse. And you've seen this with players in the past. You know, 
Antoine Randallel was was very similar to this. Um, you know, another wide receiver, and I think that's the that's the common thread. You know, when it's a, a wide receiver, quarterback, running back, you know, they pick up the playbook very well. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. You know, um, you know, another player that that'll be a free agent. Um, you know, uh, a guy that's a little bit lower down um, on some people's radar. You know, Abu Darmi Soiree, who's uh, from Colgate. Um, he's a, you know, cornerback returner, but, you know, two-time All-American um, and, and certainly, um, you know, can make a roster because he's, you know, a freakish athlete. Um, and that's what teams look for. They look for explosive players, you know, later on in the draft. Um, and like you just said, yeah, you know, Bowden is one of those guys. Um, you know, if you can learn the playbook, you're going to be miles ahead of, of other players. Um, and certainly, you know, coming out of Kentucky, out of an SEC school, you know, that is, uh, you know, that's, that's heavy competition. Um, you know, it certainly is. Um, and you know, I, th I think you, you hit it, you know, you hit it on the head pretty well, you know, the running back position, um, you can get value later on in the drafts. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, Todd Gurley situation. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about Gurley in other episodes, but you can certainly, you know, accumulate value. And that's really where teams go now is where can we get value draft capital? Um, can we move around? Can we position ourselves? You might even see some teams this year because of this, you know, weird process that we're in, you know, say, you know what, we're not going to, you know, touch the free agency market um, as much as we do normally. What we're going to do is try to, you know, create some extra draft capital, you know, get some more seventh round picks, uh, find some six round picks, move around a little bit later on in the draft uh, to replace those players, you know, that would normally would sign as free agents. Um, you know, you might see a little bit of that as well. Well, it's so interesting. Every year, everybody focuses, this year being no different, on Joe Burrow to attack of a little, where is he? Oh, my God. If I hear another analyst or somebody tell me about where to attack of a little is going and if he's going in the you know, top five or he could, slop out of the, he could slide out of the top ten, there has been so much analysis when it comes to Tua, and rightfully so because of the injuries and whether teams are willing to take that risk or not. And Justin Herbert, we spend so much time focusing on these guys but when you look at NFL teams, oftentimes it's those guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds that are the, the guys that are comprised teams or that are kids who are making the decision makers on the football field and especially unrestricted free agents. The last one I'll leave you with, how important is it if you are a free agent, an undrafted free agent rather, coming into the NFL to have special team skills? It's almost a prerequisite, is it not? Yeah, your best friend should be the special teams coordinator, you know, sitting in those meetings, um, in training camp, organized team activities, off season program, which again, there isn't going to be any of that this year. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's a problem for, for some of these guys making rosters guys might be overlooked um, because of that. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're a guy that's, you know, essentially not a lineman, um, if you're any other position on the field, you know, you better have some kind of special teams ability because that's your way onto the roster. Um, it's not your position. Um, if you're going to be a sixth, seventh rounder even, um, and you see, you know, plenty of teams cut sixth and seventh rounders because they just don't have the special teams ability that they thought they would have, or a free agent, you know, shows more special teams ability. Um, you know, that's the key right there um, is it, certainly, you know, being able to either return kicks or punts, um, you know, certainly as a gunner um, or find your, you know, your, your role on special teams and learn it and then really, really excel at it. So you don't have to be a kick returner, Matty, or a gunner. Get in that wedge, young man. Get in there in the, yep. the meat and potatoes and hit heads and set, set up that runner. Yes, yeah. You can set them up. You know, you can be the up man on, on a punt. You know, you can, 
you know, any, you obviously, and you see it too, you see teams that value special teams more, you know, the Saints, the Rams, the Texans, um, you know, the Giants just hired a, a special, a former special teams coordinator, Joe Judge. Um, you know, you see teams that um, the Seattle Seahawks are one of those as well. Chicago Bears, you know, historically always have been, um, have always excel on special teams. So you see these teams um, that really set themselves up, set the rosters up, you know, to excel on special teams. And, um, and yeah, that's, you know, that's why they're at the top of the league at that. Well, any good coach will tell you that special teams are going to decide a good percentage of games as to whether you win or lose, whether it's a block punt and this field goal or a return kick. I mean, special teams comprises so it's oftentimes overlooked, but is such a vital, vital part of the success or the demise of a football team. Matty, we'll leave it for there. If you have some time, maybe we'll check in next week prior to the draft and find out what you're up to. And then hopefully after the draft, when you have an opportunity, we can find out how it all played out, what is going to be an unusual Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with the way things are going this year with the pandemic and everything being done virtually. Matty, we'll stop right there and we'll check in next week. Absolutely, Dan. Sounds good, man. Enjoy yourself and uh, certainly keep yourself safe and uh, enjoy some of these uh, this pre-draft, all the mocks coming out too. That's all I got, man. That's all we got. All right, Matt, until next week. For Matt Marino, this is Dan Abone here in San Francisco. Matty out in New York saying give him the sports bin. So long, everybody. See you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.